Chapter number forty six of The Law and the Lady. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Wiebke Müller. The Law and the Lady by Wilkie Collins. Chapter forty six. The Crisis Deferred take care valeria said mrs macallan i ask you no questions i only caution you for your own sake eustace has noticed what i have noticed eustace has seen a change in you take care so my mother-in-law spoke to me later in the day when we happened to be alone i had done my best to conceal all traces of the effect produced on me by the strange and terrible news from gleninch but who could read what i had read who could feel what i now felt and still maintain an undisturbed serenity of look and manner if i had been the vilest hypocrite living i doubt even then if my face could have kept my secret while my mind was full of benjamin's letter having spoken her word of caution mrs macallan made no further advance to me i dare say she was right still it seemed hard to be left without a word of advice or of sympathy to decide for myself what it was my duty to my husband to do next to show him benjamin's narrative in his state of health and in the face of the warning addressed to me was simply out of the question at the same time it was equally impossible after i had already betrayed myself to keep him entirely in the dark i thought over it anxiously in the night when the morning came i decided to appeal to my husband's confidence in me i went straight to the point in these terms eustace your mother said yesterday that you noticed a change in me when i came back from my drive is she right quite right valeria he answered speaking in lower tones than usual and not looking at me we have no concealments from each other now i answered i ought to tell you and do tell you that i found a letter from england waiting at the bankers which has caused me some agitation and alarm will you leave it to me to choose my own time for speaking more plainly and will you believe love that i am really doing my duty toward you as a good wife in making this request i paused he made no answer i could see that he was secretly struggling with himself had i ventured too far had i overestimated the strength of my influence my heart beat fast my voice faltered but i summoned courage enough to take his hand and to make a last appeal to him eustace i said don't you know me yet well enough to trust me he turned toward me for the first time i saw a last vanishing trace of doubt in his eyes as they looked into mine you promise sooner or later to tell me the whole truth he said i promise with all my heart i trust you valeria his brightening eyes told me that he really meant what he said we sealed our compact with a kiss pardon me for mentioning these trifles i am still writing if you will kindly remember it of our new honeymoon by that day's post i answered benjamin's letter telling him what i had done and entreating him if he and mr playmore approved of my conduct to keep me informed of any future discoveries which they might make at gleninch after an interval an endless interval as it seemed to me of ten days more i received a second letter from my old friend with another postscript added by mr playmore we are advancing steadily and successfully with the putting together of the letter benjamin wrote the one new discovery which we have made is of serious importance to your husband we have constructed certain sentences declaring in the plainest words that the arsenic which eustace procured was purchased at the request of his wife and was in her possession at gleninch 
this remember is in the handwriting of the wife and is signed by the wife as we have also found out unfortunately i am obliged to add that the objection to taking your husband into our confidence mentioned when i last wrote still remains in force in greater force i may say than ever the more we make out of the letter the more inclined we are if we only studied our own feelings to throw it back into the dust-heap in mercy to the memory of the unhappy writer i shall keep this open for a day or two if there is more news to tell you by that time you will hear of it from mr playmore mr playmore's postscript followed dated three days later the concluding part of the late mrs macallan's letter to your husband the lawyer wrote has proved accidentally to be the first part which we have succeeded in piecing together with the exception of a few gaps still left here and there the writing of the closing paragraphs has been perfectly reconstructed i have neither the time nor the inclination to write to you on this sad subject in any detail in a fortnight more at the longest we shall i hope send you a copy of the letter complete from the first line to the last meanwhile it is my duty to tell you that there is one bright side to this otherwise deplorable and shocking document legally speaking as well as morally speaking it absolutely vindicates your husband's innocence and it may be lawfully used for this purpose if he can reconcile it to his conscience and to the mercy due to the memory of the dead to permit the public exposure of the letter in court understand me he cannot be tried again on what we call the criminal charge for certain technical reasons with which i need not trouble you but if the facts which were involved at the criminal trial can also be shown to be involved in a civil action and in this case they can the entire matter may be made the subject of a new legal inquiry and the verdict of a second jury completely vindicating your husband may thus be obtained keep this information to yourself for the present preserve the position which you have so sensibly adopted towards you stars until you have read the restored letter when you have done this my own idea is that you will shrink in pity to him from letting him see it how he is to be kept in ignorance of what we have discovered is another question the discussion of which must be deferred until we can consult together until that time comes i can only repeat my advice wait till the next news reaches you from gleninch i waited what i suffered what you stars thought of me does not matter nothing matters now but the facts in less than a fortnight more the task of restoring the letter was completed excepting certain instances in which the morsel of the torn paper had been irretrievably lost and in which it had been necessary to complete the sense in harmony with the writer's intention the whole letter had been put together and the promised copy of it was forwarded to me in paris before you too read that dreadful letter do me one favour let me briefly remind you of the circumstances under which eustace macallan married his first wife remember that the poor creature fell in love with him without awakening any corresponding affection on his side remember that he separated himself from her and did all he could to avoid her when he found this out remember that she presented herself at his residence in london without a word of warning that he did his best to save her reputation that he failed through no fault of his own and that he ended rashly ended in a moment of despair by marrying her to silence the scandal that must otherwise have blighted her life as a woman for the rest of her days bear all this in mind 
it is the sworn testimony of respectable witnesses and pray do not forget however foolishly and blamable he may have written about her in the secret pages of his diary that he was proved to have done his best to conceal from his wife the aversion which the poor soul inspired in him and that he was in the opinion of those who could best judge him at least a courteous and a considerate husband if he could be no more and now take the letter it asks but one favour of you it asks to be read by the light of christ's teaching judge not that ye be not judged End of chapter forty six